Welcome back to this extended portion of the interview with Brianna Walker. We're talking about the California parental notification policies. So let's pick up where you wanted to complete your thoughts. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to continue just a little bit. I think it's really important to get some stats out there. I am passionate in opposing this parental rights notification because I think that they are dangerous to our children. And I believe that the best way to educate our kids is to work together as a community, from parents to teachers to staff, and together create a safe space for all children so that they can learn. And my concern with this policy is the damage that can be done um, to the students, the most vulnerable children, in our communities. So I just wanted to share some stats that I found off of the Trevor Project. And their key findings said that overall, 28% of LGBTQ youth reported experience homelessness or housing instability at some point in their lives. Homelessness and housing instability were reported at higher rates among transgender and non-binary youth, including 38% of transgender girls, women, 39% transgender boys, men, and 36% of non-binary youth compared to 23% of cisgender LGBTQ youth. They also said that 14% of LGBTQ youth reported that they have slept away from parents or caregivers because they were kicked out or abandoned, with 40% reporting they were kicked out or abandoned due to their LGBTQ identity. I really think that those stats are so important for us to really understand as we talk about such um, an issue that should be handled with way more compassion and understanding and love for these children that are our children, right? Our village, our community. And so I want people to fully understand that these policies are being created by not mental health professionals, but by politicians, by um, Republican think tanks and charter school pushing purchased elected officials. And we need to talk to professionals and find out what is the best way to care for these children and ensure that they are safe, that they have housing, and that they are are comfortable within themselves and ready to make decisions for their own journey and come out when they are ready to do so. Being forced into that position by a policy created by politicians is not going to benefit anyone. And also, we haven't even gotten to the pedagogical process being interfered with this kind of uh, crisis management of an adolescent that they're not able to really devote the attention they need to to their academic careers. Absolutely. Can you imagine being a trans student or a non-binary student with a parent or even think of maybe one parent? That That's another dynamic that doesn't get spoken about much. So these parents that are there for parental rights are taking away my rights as a parent. If, say, my child was non-binary and as a Mom, I chose to not share that information with my husband. I made a decision as a parent to talk to my child, and we have an understanding that dad is not going to know. The school is putting themselves not in the middle of just my family, 
They're putting themselves, inserting themselves in the middle of my marriage. You want to come and tell my husband something that I have decided as my own parent not to discuss. So they are taking away my rights as a parent as well. In many circumstances, as a matter of fact, I know two children that fall into that category where one parent of married couple don't know what is happening with their children right now. And not what is happening, but what is what is their current it's, it's not their situation it's it's their current um it's it's their current journey it's them currently figuring out for themselves who they are and some parents have decided that it is better for them to be on that journey with their child and take their time when they're ready to share that journey with everyone else i mean just think as an adult i don't share everything with my parents I don't, there's a lot I don't tell about my mom that goes on in my home because it's, it's something that I have decided is my journey with my family. So they are forcing these conversations to be had that are unnecessary and not their business. And it's interesting because these are the same people who say the government can't parent my children, but that's exactly what they're forcing the government to do. So we've seen some of these public service announcements, campaign videos where in terms of dealing with reproductive choices, we've, we've seen like a, a lobbyist will slip into the bed between two p- partners and having uh, intimate relations. That There's that kind of absurdity. And so this absurdity with parental notification policies is kind of like bring that same uh, anonymous lobbyist and putting them right smack in the middle of our dinner table. Right in the middle. Right in the middle of the or the dinner. family room, they're taking the remote, <laughs> taking the remote away, and they're just deciding what channel we're going to watch. So it's they're there, there right will be that PSA sometime. <laughs> they are, and it's on their time frame too, right? A time frame that has never been statistically proven to be effective by mental health professionals. They are deciding three days. We are going to notify you in three days because that is what we decided was best for this. And they're going to insert themselves within that three and not and by a principle, by the way that are being replaced by a lot of men. And I I don't know how that comes across, how sensitive that conversation can be had by by a male principal who probably doesn't have any background in psychology. I don't know how that conversation... Or, or maybe their own family, some sorted family. We don't know. Fam- I don't, their own family, I, kind I don't of. know. And they don't know either, right? They are being put into a position where they are not trained to be in. And so the point you were talking about is this third day reporting period and all that. Those are all details that require the attention of legit grassroots you know, family level settings to track these changes. And and, and it's doing the job of taking you off of other things you would rather be doing. Absolutely. Working on homework. I don't, I, I volunteer in my kids' classrooms all the time. And I volunteer in my kids' classrooms all the time. I know how busy the schools are. I know that teachers are overwhelmed right now with very large class sizes and a lot of academics that they need to teach to our children so that we can stay up to speed going into junior high and high school and AP classes and we can give our children the resources to be able to thrive through college and life. That is a lot already on the plate of our teachers and staff. So 
the idea that we would add this policy, strain the relationship between the parents and the teachers and the students, and add more to them onto their plate is just obscene. Like it, it doesn't help anyone, and it definitely doesn't help a teacher. And in overlapping arenas, we'll pivot over to the library administration. There's in Huntington Beach now, the city council would like for the city council or the the city council's legal council to make the call about selections at the library. So we've got another culture war going on with the kind of materials. It's not, you don't go to the bookstore, folks. You go to the library where you can borrow a book. It's accessible to everybody. So that is another sort of invading the bandwidth exercise that's trying to politicize materials that there have been existing, as you said, in preparation for this interview, existing mechanisms for negotiating whether that particular selection of a book, maybe maybe we should put it in the young adult, not in the children's section. So talk a little bit about what's going on with Huntington Beach. Okay, so Huntington Beach, their city council has definitely been targeting their public libraries, um, specifically Gracie Vandermark. And that has been her passion. She's been very outspoken about her concerns with public libraries for a, for a couple of years now. And so they are trying to change the overseeing of public library books. And they want an approval process through their elected city attorney so that he can decide whether or not a book should be in the library. I believe also whether it should be under a children's, a young adult, or an adult section. Um, and possibly even removing books altogether. A lot of it is very unclear. They kind of make decisions. That is the strategy. That's the, <laughs> right. that's the tactic. Just keep muddying it so people don't really know is it um, binding? Is it happening? Is it in effect now? Or, you know, all of those uncertainties that take everybody's eye off of the pedagogical ball and looking at the politicking ball. Absolutely. And I, there was one comment that was made during the city council meeting that really stood out to me. And it was made by a librarian in Huntington Beach. And the librarian got up and spoke during a public comment and said that there is currently already a system in place if somebody from the public feels that a book is inappropriately placed in a section. So say a book that's in the children's section should be in the young adult section or young adults should be in the adults. And they can go to the librarians and they can fill out a form and they can let them know what the book's name and the information on what they feel it should be moved and why it should be moved. And the librarian said that if anyone knew that this existed, it was Gracie, the city councilwoman, because she was one of the only people in the city to use this system. And it successfully worked. They moved the book to a different section after she came forward and complained. So it was interesting to me to hear that this was a, this is, again, a policy based off of nothing. It was unnecessary. There is already something in place. Gracie knows that there's something in place, and it's working. because but Let's use a wedge here exactly. to, to peel off people uh, uh, to join this movement of undermining a public good or nice things as it said in refrains. And then the next city council meeting, they then tried to cut the budget and reduce hours in the library and close down, I believe, three branches. So our public libraries, our public schools, they are being targeted 
at an extreme level by MAGA far-right elected officials, think tanks, organizations, outside agitators, these parental rights movements, these um, Instagram accounts where these parents are claiming that they want parental rights. But in essence, they're trying to strip me of my parental rights. Where do I get a About say? public goods. Yeah, where do I get to say on which library book I want my child to read? You may not want that for your child, but I might want my children to read about about puberty or sex. That may be appropriate conversation for me to want to have to my children. And I don't need to have that restricted. Those resources are necessary for us as parents to have so that we can share when we want to with our children. Restricted or outright eliminated. Completely. So it's, just, it's not even there to, to select from the library. Well, did you have any additional things you want to say while we're doing this excerpt, this extended interview? <laughs> I know. I d yeah, I just want to wrap up and talk about that crisis hotline one more time because I do have some information regarding it. Um, the Rainbow Youth Project and Art Schools USA, they partnered to create this hotline for LGBT students and staff impacted by the California parental notification policies. It was 866-975-8870. You can text or call. And I did confirm if they call you back because they do do follow-up that the phone number is restricted. Um, this crisis hotline, the week that Chino passed the policy, the hotline fielded more than 80 calls. And a report in Vice News said that it prevented at least one suicide. I know during the Orange Unified meeting, they had over between five to 10 phone calls from students and residents in that area that were also concerned with these policies. So I also heard that they are hoping to staff, they're looking to increase the staff on this hotline, and then everyone is educated on these policies. So they, if you have questions, if you have concerns, they will talk to you, they will answer your questions. If they don't have immediate answers for you, they will find resources for you. They have psychologists that can help talk to you. This is not just for students, this is also for teachers and staff because as you they are a part of this too they are being forced into something that they may not feel comfortable doing either so this resource is for anyone and everyone that is being impacted or is scared that they will be impacted by this policy so I really want to push that it has been highly successful and I can't emphasize it enough I I will be posting this all over social media and hopefully every single board meeting somebody during public comments also mentions this phone number for the kids that are listening and are scared because God forbid this pushes a child to unalive themselves and as community members in our village like i'm a mom i cannot imagine these policies are hurting our children these are our our babies and i just this is our community and I think about the kids that I know that are being impacted by these, that are scared of the policies. And these are kids that I've loved. And I can't fathom these outside people coming into our communities and targeting them and then just leaving and leaving us as a community to have to deal with what they, the storm that they left. They leave us and they move on to the next school board meeting because these kids don't matter to them. They are nothing but just a target on their political 
grift or whatever else they're doing, but they are our children. And it, they, they could move on to the next district and say, this we accomplished there. So they're sort of... They use it as a trophy. It's a trophy for another they district. They step on our children and they use it as a trophy. And these, we need to do better as a community, as parents, as adults. It's scary. They're terrorists. They go to these school board meetings purposely to invoke fear in us. They force us to stay home because we don't want our kids targeted. We don't want to be targeted. We don't want to have to deal with the police who are very minimal at these school board meetings. We don't want to fear being at our own school board meetings, so we stay home. It's a whole different setting now with that kind of it's disruption in a very fundamental way. We don't get a way. voice in our own school district. We are being pushed out of the conversation in our own school districts. We are at the Orange Unified. They opened up public comments to start pulling cards at 1 p.m. They did not tell that to the community residents. Nobody knew that. The people that knew that were the outside agitators. They were given a heads up. So they pulled cards first and they had all the first speakers. They the trustees, these cow policy centers, they have organized from top down on how to give them every leg up possible in this conversation. And at the end of the day, these are our children that they are hurting. Thank you, Brianna, for following this so carefully for us and putting it in the most fundamentally sort knowing communal terms here of what's what's at stake. Thank you so much for this extended interview portion. Thank you.